we're continuing in our series called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, it's, it's a very important series for our church, for our group. And uh, if you've been with us, uh, this is our fourth week. In week one, we talked about the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. We looked at the example of Saul and how he was emotionally unhealthy, that he was not aware uh, of just his iceberg that's underneath. And he, he operated out of that unawareness. He, and, and it caused uh, uh, incredible jealousy and anger and envy, and it affected his leadership. Um, he wanted to murder David uh, many times. And so it was just a problem that he didn't recognize that he had. And there are many of us who are just unhealthy uh, emotionally and spiritually that we operate out of that and we don't recognize how we operate and we don't recognize how people perceive us and uh, that, that we're so defensive and so critical and so judgmental. And we don't even realize that and we uh, burn bridges and we don't know how we reach this place. And so that's what we talked about in week one. Uh, week two, we talked about how you need to know yourself in order to know God. Um, that we talked about the life of David, and he, he knew himself. He knew uh, the depth of his heart. It's all uh, written in Psalms, just what was going on inside of his heart. He was honest and real before him. He was, he was suicidal. He was depressed. He was uh, anxious. He was joyous. He was victorious, and he knew that, and God was able to reveal himself because he was open with himself. Uh, I, we don't think Saul uh, really knew God, even though he was serving God, because he didn't know himself. And when David, who was a man after God's own heart, knew himself, he was able to know God in a deep, personal way. Last week, we talked about how you have to go backward to go forward. We had to go back to our family of origin and just kind of the wounds uh, from how we grew up. And, and we said that this is not a, 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 a out to kind of uh, blame your parents uh, just for the way they raised you. They did the best that you can, they could. You're doing the best that you could. Uh, but we have to recognize that, that there are some wounds and hurts from our past that, that affects us even to today that kind of hinders us from, from uh, experiencing God in, in, in powerful ways, from loving other people the way that Christ loved us. And so if, if we don't go visit those and if we don't handle those, then uh, it, it'll follow us the rest of our lives and we'll be uh, 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 muffled in, in regards to our capacity to love God and to, to love others. Well, today... I want to talk about uh, a chapter called Journeying Through the Wall. And, and like I said, uh, this all comes from, uh, the content all comes from uh, Peter Zero, his books, his talks, and things like that. And, and uh, so what I'm going to talk about is is a little bit more uh, than, than this, but most of this, you can read it in here, and you'll get a deeper understanding. So I encourage you to get the book, and uh, you can see me afterwards to get the book. Uh, but there's a chapter called Journeying Through the Wall. And uh, our, our walk in life, our Christian walk in life is a journey. It's a journey. Um, and we have to keep that in the forefront of our minds. Um, for many of us, we treat Christianity as an event. It's uh, like a one-time event, right? Uh, we accept Christ. Uh, we come and we kind of confess everything. And then we're done. So for, for a lot of us, Christianity is an event. We accept Christ and we're done, and we'll see how it goes. We'll do our best to, to live a good life. Uh, but uh, when struggle comes our way, uh, we treat those things as interruptions or intrusions in our life. And what I want you to see is that uh, struggles and suffering and pain are not intrusions. They're not interruptions. But they're the method that the Lord uses to grow us closer to him. Why? Because life is a journey. 
So if we go backwards to go forwards and we start from where we came from and we start uh, from that place of brokenness and, and woundedness and, and we're trying to, to uh, be transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the, the power of Christ, that idea, that, that metaphor of journey for the Israelites was a literal, real journey. For us, we don't have, because of our cars or, or whatever, we don't have to uh, journey from, from uh, the captivity into, into the uh, promised land where Israel, they actually did that physically. Remember, I told you, Jewish culture, they take physical things as metaphors and symbols of, of spiritual things. And, and, and maybe God had them in captivity, brought them into the promised land, had to walk 40 years in the desert. Why? As a physical symbol of what God wanted to do with them and what it's going to take for them to get into the promised land, physically. See, because there's movement in our journey where there's obstacles and detours and construction. And it's easy to be stuck and it, for many of us, we want to quit this journey, whether it be um, leaving the faith, leaving church. But many of us are unable to, to move forward because we haven't done that deep work addressing the icebergs. Um, typically, there isn't just one wall that you, that you face in life. There are multiple walls at every stage of life. In your teenage years, in your adult years, in your family years, there's, there's, there's lots of walls in our lives. And, and being at a wall, is, especially for a long time, is, is very, very tough. And for many of us, the wall that we face typically is facing the unknown. We don't know what the future holds. How do you know if you're at a wall right now? Well, typically, it, it appears when you're in crisis. That's when you know you're at a wall. So maybe there's a divorce or maybe a failed marriage maybe a betrayal, maybe a job loss. Uh, maybe there's a death of someone that you care for deeply, a family member, a loved one. Maybe there's cancer or illness or an accident, a car accident. Maybe there's a depression or maybe there's a, a, a shattered dream or maybe there's a wayward child who, who's just kind of fallen off of faith, involved in, in things that he shouldn't be involved in or she. Um, maybe it's infertility for your family. Maybe it's, it's being single and having this deep longing to be married and it doesn't seem to be getting met. There's, those are walls in our life that actually keep us from God. That, that, that for many of us, we struggle. Struggle with our relationship with God because we're at a wall. And so now we're, we're talking about journeying through that wall. And so during those walls, those are times where we begin to question God. Right, we begin to uh, question ourselves, and we begin to question church, and uh, and we have more questions than answers, and we don't know where God is, and and we don't know when it'll be over, and uh, we feel stuck. I want to take a look at a, a person who's at a wall right now, uh, in in the story, and just how he journeys through that wall, and uh, we're going to take a look at the life of Abraham. And it's in Genesis chapter 22, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 22. Many of us uh, who've been at church know this very well. It's a dramatic story. A very dramatic story. And uh, quickly, I'll have to read through it. Verse 1, 22 from the NIV. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of those mountains I will tell you about. 
Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Uh, we'll, we'll stop right there. And so here, Abraham is definitely at a wall in his life. I mean, God asks him to take his son, his only son, whom he loves. The scripture is very clear to point that out, whom he loves, and asks to, to sacrifice it. Why? Because uh, uh, in Old Testament times, the, the, the system of, of worship was burnt offerings and sacrificing of animals to be able to put our sins upon that, to sacrifice it, and our sins have been redeemed. Uh, but now, uh, in the New Testament era, we have uh, Jesus, who, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Um, and so here we have Abraham, Abraham at a wall. And this isn't his first wall. I mean, he's had many walls. He had to leave his family. He had to leave his culture to an unknown land. And so he had to go there. Uh, when he gets to his destination, there was a huge famine in, in the land. And so he was hungry and his family couldn't eat. And then he had that drama with his nephew Lot and they had to split and choose and, and, and all that. And then they struggled with infertility, uh, right? The, Abraham was old and couldn't have a child. Uh, then uh, God blesses him with Ishmael, and uh, God asked, whom he loved because it was his only son at the time, and uh, God asks him to to separate from him in Genesis 18. And so now here's a wall, another wall, where he's asked to sacrifice Isaac. And so God calls Abraham, and how do we respond? He says, Abraham, Abraham, I don't know about you, but uh, I'd be so stressed, I'd be like, Eugene, what? It's kind of like my child, when I call his name Elijah. He's like, what? It's like, is that how you talk to daddy? Is that how you talk to mommy? So we, we try to teach him, don't say, when we call your name, don't say what? Say, yes, mom. Yes, dad. And so for the most part, uh, you know, he's, he's okay. But, you know, he, when he's unaware of what's going on inside, he'll go, what? But how many times do we do that with God when God calls your name? You're like, what? I'm busy here. I got work to do. I got stuff to do. I've got a plan for my life. What do you want, God? But you notice Abraham doesn't answer that way. He says, Abraham. He says, here am I. Maybe I've got to teach Elijah to say, here am I, Dad. <laughs> Elijah, here am I. Um, that'd be great. Anyways, and so God pulls Abraham through this whole process, and it seems so cruel. Um, before we are able to discern the will of God, we've got to go through this wall. And so the gift uh, uh, that uh, God gave him through of Isaac, and it was an incredible gift, it was the promise, right? And asking him to sacrifice it. I don't know. Uh, this is just my opinion. Maybe Isaac had become his idol. 
Maybe he was so, so preoccupied. Maybe the world revolved around Isaac. And, and we know that, that as parents, we, we're not to teach our kids that the world revolves around them. And that problem, problems happen in, in families when, when the kids feel like all, the world revolves around them. It doesn't. And so I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it's conjecture, but maybe, uh, uh, Isaac just, just made, uh, sorry, maybe, uh, uh, Abraham made Isaac his idol. I don't know. And so God's goal is to, to burn away everything that is false. We're seeing a pattern of that. To burn away everything that is false. All the illusions of ourselves to become the true person that God originally intended. And so therefore, he brings you to these walls. And that's why we fast. So that we can go through these walls, see what our walls are. Maybe some of our walls are our career, are our careers. And I'm not saying God is going to take away your career uh, just, to, just to test you, but uh, also don't over-spiritualize things. Like, you know, you got, you got fired. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, God... God's really doing a great work. He, you know, I just, it wasn't my time to work right now. And you've been unemployed for like three years. You know, oh, God's really testing me. It's like, no, dude, get a job. Do some hard work. You know, it's like people like to over-spiritualize. Oh, yeah, you know, it's a time of testing. You know, I think this is the Lord, you know, that I'm not supposed to work right now. Well, maybe it's because uh, you uh, came late every day. Maybe it's because you couldn't get up. Maybe, you know, whatever. I don't want to go down that route right now. Whatever it may be that God is journeying you through a wall. Uh, a lot of times, and the two biggest things that I know that God wants to strip out of us is our pride and other people's approval. Uh, that we're so consumed with our pride, we're con- many of us are consumed with other people's approval. Uh, we want we want people to like us, which is fine, but we we only operate to get approval from other people. And so, um, when we're at the wall, sometimes God reveals what is best for us, maybe actually the worst, and what is the worst for us is actually the best. That sometimes the suffering that you're going through is actually the best for you. Maybe the, the struggles that you're going through is maybe the best for you because God is preparing you to do something great. Can a brother get an amen? There's this uh, uh, old uh, monk called John of the Cross in, in the 1500s. He, he wrote a classic book called The Dark Night of the Soul. And uh, the, the ordinary way, he says that the ordinary, ordinary way that Christians go through these walls is when they go through a dark night of the soul. It's where God purges our taste buds for, for love of this world. And he begins to fix our eyes upon the extraordinary pleasures of God. And that's why we fast, that we, we want to get rid of our, our taste buds for the pleasures of this world and so that we would experience the pleasure of God. And so God purges our pride. How do you know if you're prideful? Well, you have a tendency to be judgmental, uh, that you look for approval from people. Um, and so uh, you think you're better than uh, someone else. You like to put others down. That's how you know uh, that you're filled with pride. He goes on and he talks about other uh, uh, kind of uh, things that God tries to purge. You can, you can read about it in the book here, but it's greed, it's uh, luxury, it's spiritual envy, sloth. Uh, sloth is kind of like you're looking for always the easy way out. You're lazy, things like that. And for people like Abraham and for some of us, sometimes God chooses what John of the Cross calls a violent dark night of the soul that may last many years. And so God chooses people to work through and do a great work in you if you would work through it. Now, when I read the story of Abraham, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't, God, don't, don't do that to me. I don't, I don't want to go through that. 
Not me, please. Uh, but Scazzaro begins to talk about how all of us here sitting in this room need to, to pray this particular prayer. And the prayer is this. Lord, would you bring me closer to you no matter the cost? Lord, would you bring me closer to you no matter the cost? And um, Abraham had to go through it. And Abraham went through it. And here's the, the interesting thing. You see how Abraham responded. He obeyed, the passage says. And uh, he, uh, uh, he was, it seemed like he was able to go through without any problems. But I suspect it's because Abraham could go through this wall because he had a long history with God. He had a long, deep relationship with God. That he had a history of his love and faithfulness through his life that many of us are still trying to build and to grow and to experience. That's why we fast. And so Abraham was able to obey, even though it was crazy, because he knew, as he said, God will provide a lamb. God will provide a lamb, son. I don't know how. I can't predict it. I can't even think in my mind how it's even possible. But he will, because he's been faithful. He's always been faithful. And he loves you, and he loves me. So he had this long, deep, rich relationship with God. A lot of times we like to fight against the wall. We want the wall to stop. We want the wall to discontinue. Um, and uh, sometimes we're fighting against what God is, is, has brought in our lives. I'm not saying God is the author of evil. God is the author of suffering. I'm not saying that at all. But a lot of times we're fighting against what God wants to do through that struggle and that pain. And so here's the challenge. That the blessing of Abraham happens after he went through the wall. You know what happens is after Abraham went through this wall, God blessed him. He said, your descendants would be as numerous as the, the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand in the seashore. That, that God blessed Abraham. And for you to experience progress and go into the other side, into the promised land, you've got to go through this wall. Sometimes this wall is for many years. Sometimes this wall is, is this dark night of the soul. This, 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 this prison of just suffering and, and pain. Um, but when, when you get to the other side of this wall, here's what's going to happen, is that people won't even recognize you. That, that God has been doing such a great deep work in you that, that they won't even be, begin to recognize you. You know, so, uh, the, the biggest comments that I've received from this fast is, Pastor Eugene, you look so skinny. Like, I, I almost didn't recognize you. People see you, and they see the change, and they can't even recognize you on the physical. And the hope is that God is doing a deep work in you, that they can't even recognize the old you, that you are a person filled with judgment and anger and resentment and uh, malice, but now you're filled with love and gentleness and kindness. I can't even recognize you. Who is this person? When you journey through this wall, you're going to look different. Come on, somebody. People are not going to be able to recognize you. And that's the hope that that when you empty yourself of yourself and fill yourself with Jesus, that is what's going to happen. And so when you're at the wall, You've got to understand that God is invading you at a whole nother level if you would let him. That God is invading you at a whole nother level if you would just let him. 
Sometimes he's trying to empty out the things that you're holding on to so that you can release it and begin to hold on to God. Just begin to hold on to God. And he promises he will stay with you through this wall because he's been through Gethsemane. He's been through uh, pain and suffering to the point of, of sweating, sweating blood and anguish. He's been to the cross. He knows what's that's, and he promises that he'll be with you through the wall. It is when you're through the dark night of the soul is that he hasn't abandoned you. When Joseph was in that pit, that dark pit, when his brothers abandoned him, God was with Joseph. And how is that possible? It's because Jesus went through that. I, as a human being, may not be able to go through your pain because I'd never gone through it myself, but Jesus went through it. He went through the wall. He went through that dark night of the soul. He will always be with you. That's when somebody ought to say amen. So the prayer is, God, bring me closer to you. And G, if you could come forward. God, would you bring me closer to you, no matter the cost, no matter if I have to give up food for 21 days, no matter if I have to give up coffee for 21 days, no matter if I, if I have to go through this season of singleness, would you draw me closer to you so that I could journey through this with you and then I can experience life to its fullest? See, that's the, the journey that we're on. Some of us are asking Pastor Gene, what's the next steps? You know, I've been coming to church. What's the next steps? This is the next step. EHS, EHR, these are next steps. This is it. This is what this is what we're we're trying to help you progress through these walls. And some of the walls that you're experiencing right now is very painful. Some of the walls that you're experiencing right now have been going on for a long time. For many, many, many years. For some of us, it doesn't seem like the end is is in sight. For many of us, we're feeling a bit hopeless. And I can imagine Abraham in his old age, for some reason, there was a deep work in his life. And he knew that God was faithful. So my prayer for you is that you would journey through this wall. That you would journey through this wall. And just know that God is with you.